Anybody else excited to be here today besides me? I'm glad to be here. I'm telling you, I'm just so thankful to be able to get here and see all of my friends and spiritual family. It has just been a great time in this series called I Believe. And we've been doing this on purpose because we want to show that even though we are a church that attempts to reach forward to reach the current and the coming generations that we have not in any way let go of the ancient things, the portion of our past that God says we need to stay connected to. We, we are laboring in this series to show you that because we do a lot of things around here in a new kind of way, the methods are different maybe. Uh, maybe you've never been to a church like this before and seen the kind of music. I mean, after all, we opened up the service with a monkey song this morning. I'm a believer. And I know it was a little cute. I hope you didn't think there was too much cheese on that pizza. Uh, and some of you got that. Uh, but, you know, we did it just to be able to try to say, hey, look, this is, we can have church, we can have fun, we can serve God, and we can have joy, we can laugh, we can have a great time, we can... Uh, do this in the middle of all of the seriousness of the calling that God has on us. Uh, I, I believe that there is supposed to be at the very heart of that is just overwhelming joy. And, and I think that um, so much of the time we've had a real kind of a sad sack, baptized in lemon juice, been sucking on a persimmon Christianity. You know, just folks that talk about the joy of the Lord and their face doesn't know it yet that they have joy, I guess. <laughs> And um, I, I just believe that walking with Jesus is the absolute most amazing privilege that we have ever had. And I, I want to I tell you this. I think when Jesus hung out with those 12 guys around a campfire, I guarantee you he was holding his gut, wrenching in laughter at just some of the crazy things that Peter said. I mean, that, that's like a walking comedy show anyway, just hanging out with Peter. And, um, and all the others, all the time, just, just hanging out with people, having a good time and, and working through relationships and just the stuff that happens in, in what we call life. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that says, you know, you make plans and then life happens. And how many of you know there's something to that? Isn't that the truth, Greg? Uh, he took a break today. He's been moving this weekend and just appreciate our brother just, and, and came on anyway because he couldn't stand. I said, man, take a couple weeks and just chill out. And look here. He's the dude can't get away from us. He's on the front row worshiping the Lord this morning. You got to love the brother. All right. Amen. And so this morning as we look to um, John, Gospel of John, you have your message notes. John chapter 15. Uh, we have about four verses that I want you to read with me, if you would, please. Um, and I'm going to ask you if you would. I know you've just gotten comfortable, but I'm going to ask you to stand back up one more time, if you would. Let's just say this together. Here we go. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Bow your heads with me, please, for a word of prayer. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called your children, sons of God. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. 
We thank you for that. Thank you today that as we stood in this service and lifted up our voices and sang different kinds of songs and we joined with believers around the world in different time zones, meeting on the Lord's Day to stand and declare, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Thank you, Lord, that we not only we join with those that are presently living on the planet today and confess Christ, but we reach back in time and we join historically with generations and centuries of believers who have stood in the face of persecution and martyrdom. Lord, to translate Bibles into languages that the people could understand. Lord, to lay their lives down to preach a message that stood contrary to the religious belief of the day, to declare that the just shall live by faith. Lord, thank you for men and women who've hazarded their lives, even as it says in the book of Acts, in the face of the gospel, to bring and declare that to a present generation. Let us, O oh God, in the time which we now live, in the early days of the 21st century, be a faithful people that those who come behind us may find us faithful like those who've gone before us. As we labor to abide in the historical Christian vine of the faith, thank you today for all that you've given to us. Holy Spirit, come and teach. I can't do anything apart from you. Through you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Bless this people. Every hearing ear in this room, and on the internet, I thank you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. you may be seated to get together today in the presence of the Lord. And as we look at this last section in the creed, quick review, we've talked about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the last section is basically about the church and all of these things that are basically true of us now because we are in the body of Christ. We are there not of our own ability or anything that we have earned. Grace is unmerited favor. It is God's choice to shine his blessing upon us that the light of the glorious gospel might enter our hearts and the veil might be removed from our understanding and that we might have eyes to see. Perry Reginelli posted, and I saw it this morning, and it's just rung up and just sort of sprang up in my spirit. He said, I believe in Christianity even as the sun itself rises. And not because the sun rises, but because of it, I have the ability to see everything else. Because the sun has risen, the S-U-N is the S-O-N. Because the sun has risen in my heart, and he has shed his love abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, now I have light to see all of the rest of the world creation. I have this ability now that the eyes of my understanding have been enlightened and I can open up and I can see the amazing creation that God has given to us. And it is a broad and wide and deep and high view. Ephesians chapter 3 about verse 18 says that may we with all saints be able to comprehend what is the height and the depth and the breadth and the length and to know the love of Christ. It is immeasurable. When we stand and declare these words, we are not in any way saying that we are framing up a belief system and saying this is as far as God goes, this is the full extent of it, God does no more than this. We are not boxing God in. If anything, we are making a declaration of these are the basics. These are the irreducible minimums. These are the lowest common denominators of Christianity. If you do not embrace 
the truths that we find in the Apostles' Creed, then you are not by any definition a Bible-believing Christian. Sometimes it is amazing to me that the Kiwanis Club and the Rotary Club can do a better job enforcing their value system and the beliefs that they have and they project in terms of being a service organization to the community sometimes than the Church of Jesus Christ does. And we're arguing about things that ought to have been established long ago. You can say amen anytime. These are non-negotiables. These are things that we will not spend time arguing or debating over. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, born of the Virgin Mary, the Bible says, conceived by the Holy Spirit. All of these things that we have rehearsed in these four messages are critical to us. There are 12 statements of faith. Credo, where we get the Latin word credo, where we get creed comes from, means I believe. We're literally saying I believe when we say the word creed. It's not a collective statement of a group of people. We don't say we believe. We have to come to a personal place in our lives where we make the declaration, I believe. Jesus looked at his disciples, the 12 with him one day, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 16. This is my first point as I move to that this morning, and I just want you to see what Jesus says to this group of men who've laid down everything to follow him. And he said... You know, you're hanging out in the marketplaces, you're hearing all the buzz, you're kind of connected to what's going on, what everybody's Twittering and their Facebook statuses. What are they saying, who I am? And Peter responds with some of the other disciples, and they all basically pep up and they say, you know, some are saying that you are Esaias, or a New Testament way of saying Isaiah. Some are saying you are Jeremiah, the prophet, or Elijah. And so Jesus narrows it down, and he doesn't just say, okay, what is everybody else saying about me, that collective group out there? Who do they say that I am? But he looks at them, and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds first. He's the one that's recorded. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turns because something has grabbed his attention. And he looks at Peter, and he says, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, Peter, I tell you right now upon this rock, R-O-C-K, revelation of Christ's kingdom. Everybody say rock, R-O-C-K. Say the revelation of Christ's kingdom. The rock upon which the church is built is the revelation of Christ's kingdom. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, flesh and blood has not, what? Revealed this to you. But my Father which is in heaven has what? Revealed this to you. So this is the revelation that you're looking at the Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, that he is the anointed one, the Messiah. Upon this rock, this revelation, this, this rock of revelation, I will build the church. And what I want you to recognize this morning is that when we stand and say, I believe in the holy Catholic church, when we stand and say, I believe in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting, we are making five declarations at the close of this thing that are critical, that are critical to the character and nature of God and to the mission to which he has called us as the people of God. We are the people of God because we are the family of God. We are called the church. God the Father is God up there. God the Son becomes God down here. Last week we preached God the Holy Spirit is God in here. And now this morning I want you to see 
that the Bible shows us that now God the church is God everywhere. God being manifest through you. God has a body. He is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. And I'm looking at God's body this morning. Hello. Called the body of Christ. Are you with me? So now, through the church, we are not God, but God is manifest through us. Now, it's God everywhere. We populate the planet. We are sent as representatives. We go as ambassadors. We have a message and a ministry of reconciliation. There is a purpose. There is a call. There is something very specific to which we are to answer to. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul is writing and he talks about Jesus being raised up in the mighty power to usward who believe at the working of his mighty power. He says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22 of Ephesians 1. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Everybody say, Jesus is the head of the church. Head over all things to the church. Verse 23 of Ephesians 1. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the body of Christ. The church is God's body. Through it, through the church, God fills all in all. His fullness now is to cover the whole world with the people of God. A people who were not a people, but now are the people of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10. From about verse 7, 8, 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Everybody say, called out, called into. Do it again. Say, called out of darkness, called into light. Now, if you look at your notes right there, I want you to see as we, we go to, to point number one, the church is God's instrument to advance his purpose, which is the kingdom of God. The church is God's instrument to advance his purpose, which is the kingdom of God. These two are not synonymous. There's been confusion in the past, medieval period of time, medieval theology. In the Roman Catholic Church, it was believed that the church and the kingdom were one and the same. I do not believe that. I believe that the kingdom of God extends way beyond the boundaries and the sphere of authority that the church has. The kingdom of God extends into your local family. The kingdom of God extends into civil government. The kingdom of God extends into nations of which the church is a part of those nations. But the church is distinct from the kingdom. The church advances the kingdom, but the kingdom is his purpose. But the church is the instrument God is using to advance that kingdom. Are you with me? Okay. His kingdom is his rule. It's his government. It's his authority. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Say it with me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Those two sentences are synonymous. His kingdom is his will. His will is his kingdom. 
Kingdom comes from two words. King, which is the one who runs the kingdom, who rules it, who reigns over it. And the, the word dominion, which speaks of the domain, the land over which he is ruling, which is the earth, the whole universe for that matter. But it also speaks of the people over which he has authority. So God has dominion in my life, but now he's called me as his child, as his son, as his representative to be a kingdom representative now in the earth as a part of the church carrying the gospel of God, telling people they can be set free and delivered from sin and from the penalty of death, from the penalty of an eternal hell, from the penalty of separation from an almighty God who, who desires relationship with every one of the people that he's created. Can I have an amen? amen? The kingdom is his rule, his reign, his expressed authority. It's the church that God is using, the instrument to advance that. The phrase, or rather the scripture that I've already quoted, is on the screens now, Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So God's building the church. He's advancing the kingdom. We don't preach church. We preach the kingdom. We preach Jesus as Lord. That's what we preach. When we do that, his kingdom advances and his church grows. He's building his church. I don't preach Build the church, build the church. I preach Jesus is Lord over your life. Make him Lord. When you do that, the church grows, the kingdom advances. They're two separate things, but they still are inextricably connected. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. That's God, the Holy Spirit, God in here. He says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. His purpose in the church is an eternal purpose. It's an unending purpose. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. My goodness, if there ever should be a place in this day of wishy-washy thinking and unstable philosophies. If there ever should be a, a people who in the face of a relativistic society that embraces situational ethics, that no longer says black is black and white is white, but it's just a multiplicity of shades of gray. And just pick your choice and live however you want to. And who the heck do you think you are to tell me? Your truth is good for you, but I have my truth. How many of you know in the face of all that, there is an absolute final truth, the authority of the word of God. Now, I say that with some force, and I'm stern when I preach it because I have such a conviction about it. But at the same time, I want to back up and I want to tell you, in the face of a society that's going to hell in the handbasket, we have to speak that truth in love. Going to have to love people with all their junk and all their stuff because the church... And I'm feeling a whole different direction than I did in the 9 o'clock service, stuff that I didn't even include. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The church is to have a three-pronged emphasis. It is to be a hospital for sinners 
where they come into the place and get healed. But guess what? When you go to the hospital, you don't lay in that bed for years. You have a moment. You have a, you have a kairos moment. You have a, a moment that is filled with all kinds of comfort and strength, and we're infusing you. We, we've got you hooked up to IVs. We're pumping you up to get you all strengthened and strong and get you delivered from whatever had you bound. And guess what? We're going to get you up out of the hospital bed, and we're going to sit you down in a desk in the classroom and teach you because the church is also an equipping center. It is a school. It is a place where God wants to advance you in the calling to which he called you. That's the reason you were born. Mm. And guess what? You're not going to stay up in a desk your whole life. We're going to move you out from behind that and graduate you so you can now move into the army of God and you've got a commission now and you've got a job to do. Come on, somebody. This is the one to put on the internet, Alex. <laughs> Ecclesia, ecclesia. Ecclesia, Greek word. It is a phenomenal usage of the word. It's a word that never even was used in spiritual terms until Paul applied it to the church. Ecclesia literally spoke of a senatorial ruling class in the Greek city-states and in the Roman culture. These ecclesia were those that were called out of the body of people, out of the demographic, out of the dem democratic, the, the whole out from among the people, and they were brought to a place to influence, to legislate, to, 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 in, to some degree by example and by authority, speak and declare the law of the land. Senators that were ruling in governmental places Paul chose to take that word and say, this is the people of God. You are ecclesia. Everybody say, ek, out of. Ecclesia is kaleo. It means called. Everybody say, called, out of. Say, called out of darkness, called into light. Too many places, all we hear every Sunday is all about what you got to get out of. And every Sunday we gather the saints together and we're preaching basically a John 3.16 with a little different spice. Oh, you're in Egypt and you're in bondage and Pharaoh is Satan and you're bound by all this stuff and we got to get you up out of Egypt. And I'm telling you, there are a whole bunch of people in the house that have been delivered from Egypt and they need to have somebody show them how that God called them out in order to bring them into something. It's not just about leaving Egypt, but it's about learning in the school of the wilderness so you can get on over into the promised land. And the promised land is not in heaven in the sweet by and by because the promised land has giants and walled cities and there are battles to fight. And what I'm telling you is your promised land is on this side and God wants you to eat some milk and honey. Come on, somebody. He saved me. He is saving me and he shall save me. I have been justified. Bam. It's one point in time. Get ready. Here I go. It's, a, it's one point. I trusted in him. I am justified by faith. Amen. By the blood of Jesus. But now, I'm being sanctified. I'm walking. And I'm learning how to take some steps by faith. And I'm being sanctified. I'm being changed. I'm being made into his image. I'm being conformed to the likeness of the one that the Bible called the firstborn among, among many brethren. So there's a point, And then there's a line. Then there's a time when I'll finally see him, and it's a point, and then I will be glorified because I will see him, and I will be like him as he is. So in that sense, salvation is progressive. It's once and for all. If I die right now, I'll be in the presence of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, God's started to work in me that he's still working on. 
I'm, I'm not there yet. This, this is not the church of perfection. You don't have to be perfect to join this place. As a matter of fact, if you're looking for one, as soon as you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. I got to settle down. I'm baptizing the front row this morning. This, this is a hospital for sinners. It is a school for saints to be able to learn, to grow in, and be equipped, and to get into the army of God, and to find the calling that God has for you, and the commission that he has on your life. The word Catholic, let me just settle this for the sake of the folks that are here today for the first time. Pastor Michael is not losing his mind in trying to take us all back into the Roman church. Little c Catholic simply means universal. We believe in the universal church of Jesus Christ. It's out of every kindred, tribe, nation, and tongue. It's red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in its sight. It's rich and poor and educated and uneducated. It's from the highest and the lowest stations in life. It's from every continent on the globe. It's from the islands of the sea. It's out of every group. Come on, somebody. Called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If I believe in the universal church, membership in the universal church means I must commit locally. None of this just kind of floating out here riding the range with Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, if I didn't have to do nothing but with Jesus, life would be so easy, but I got to deal with y'all. Look at your neighbor say, I know what he's talking about. Come on. Oh, how easy it would be if I didn't have my wife and my children, but oh, how lonesome I would be, and I couldn't produce a family. I couldn't leave a legacy. I, I couldn't take the time to be able to pour into a generation that had come out of my loins that would be my children, that would bring to me my grandchildren so that I could have a generational transfer. Yeah, I can do this thing by myself, but I'll never accomplish the kingdom of God by myself because God intends for us to do this thing in community. I need you and you need me. And in the middle of all that, the relationships that God has called us to, they are the most wonderful and the most difficult aspect. Am I telling the truth? I know I'm telling the truth this morning. We are called to be. That's, let, me, let me just tell you right now, forgiveness has got to reign among us as the people of God. Number two, the communion of saints means fellowship based on a new identity. Communion of saints, why don't we just say that it sounds so great. It's just, mm, it's, just, it's just religious. It sounds very academic. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. What, what is that? What is the communion of saints? It, Greek word koinonia, we get our English word fellowship from it. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's, there's something to this thing that unless you've been out there in the middle of some choppy waters with a bunch of fellows in the ship, that's what fellowship is. It means you commit to this thing and you get up, up in the middle of the greasy, nasty, itty-gritty part of this whole thing and you don't jump ship. You stay up in the middle of it. It means you stay committed to your brother when he hurts your feelings and your sister when she offends you and you stay determined that you're going to live out the Lord's prayer and God, I choose to live and walk in forgiveness and forgive everybody. Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Communion of saints means fellowship based on a new identity. Too many places 
week after week after week, gather in a congregation of people of which at least three-quarters of them have a commitment to Christ and know Jesus, and they've been justified by faith through grace in the blood of the Lamb. They're on the road to sanctification. They're looking for somebody to teach them not how to get out of Egypt, but how to possess some promises in the promised land, how to defeat some giants, how to take down some walled cities, how to stand up in the kingdom of God, and with Peter, take some keys to unlock some stuff and lock up some other stuff, bind some stuff on earth that's already bound in heaven, and loose some stuff on earth that's already been loosed in heaven because we are kingdom people. Loose the provision of God. Loose the healing of God. Loose prosperity on your life. Loose forgiveness in the middle of your marriage. Loose wisdom on your job and your finances. Wisdom on your calling and your destiny and your career. Unlock those things because you are a kingdom ambassador. And so much of the time we never ever step into that fullness of what God has called us to do because we still think we're just a bunch of old, no-good sinners. After all, you know, you're a sinner. You're going to sin a little bit every day. And guess what? If you are what you eat, and that's all you're getting to eat every Sunday, then guess what you're going to manifest on a daily basis the rest of the week? You're going to sin a little bit every day. And thank God that if we do, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it absolutely amazes me when you see the overwhelming evidence of the New Testament that now refers to you not just as the same old guy with another chance. Mm -mm, Greg, you need to write a song about this, baby. Mm. I'm not just the same old dude with a second chance, but I'm a whole new creation. There's a new nature that's dwelling on the inside of me. And even the word doesn't call me a sinner saved by grace now. It calls me a saint of the most high God. Now, if you've come from an Orthodox or a Catholic tradition, you think that a saint that is someone who basically 500 years after they've died and the cardinals argue over whether or not there was the evidence of some miracles that were performed in your life, then you are canonized and you're named a saint. And that has nothing to do with what the New Testament definition of a saint is. I don't want to offend any Roman Catholics in the room. I love you in the name of Jesus. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but that concept is totally based on tradition and has nothing to do with the Word of God. Now, you either really love me or you don't right now. Listen to this, Psalm 16, 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I dare you to touch your neighbor and say, God's talking about you. He delights in you. He delights in you. And you, and you, and everybody in the room, if I could take time and just look every one of you in the eye and point to you, God delights in you. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus and you are his child, you are not an old sinner that's saved by grace. You are a saint of God. I'm not saying you don't miss it, that you don't sin, but the whole issue is a nature issue. This is the issue right here, and I don't want to stop and chase this rabbit too far down the trail. I've got a big, I've got a shotgun. I'm not going to laser beam. I'm going to shotgun and shoot this thing from way down at the trailhead. Here we go. We are sinners, and we sin because we're sinners. It's a nature issue. 
We don't, we're not called a sinner because we sin. We sin because we are a sinner before we come to Christ. That's what Ephesians 2 says. We were dead in our trespasses and who were by nature objects of wrath. The spirit of disobedience now working, energizing the children of disobedience. But that's not you anymore. But now you who were dead are now alive in Christ. And by grace, he has raised you up and he's made you alive and made you sit down together with him in heavenly places. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Hello, saints. Say hello. Listen, Daniel 7, 27, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey them. Romans 1, 7. I'm going to read all these verses, so just hang on. You've got to get this, because it's something we wrestle with. The communion of saints. That must be Mother Teresa and Billy. Well, Billy ain't dead yet. I was going to say Billy Graham. You know, all those other folks who have gone before us. No, no, no. I'm, talking, I'm looking at the body of saints right now. Now, I just want to say this to you. Our our Church of Christ brothers and sisters flat got it right about the church issue. Every time you pass one, especially in the South, the sign says the Church of Christ meets here. Why do you think they do that? Because they're emphasizing the principle that the church is not a building. The church is not bricks and mortar. The church is a people. Come on. 1950s, 60s, and 70s, every time the concert was over, And the quartet would hang around and stay, and the band would play. The announcer with this great big huge booming voice would say, Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. You know what I'd like to do at the end of our services? I wish I had some great big wonderful James Earl Ray kind of voice that would come on as soon as we play the last song and you're walking out the door, and it would say, Ladies and gentlemen, the church has left the building. How many of you from a Church of Christ background? Raise your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of. That's great. That's an awesome heritage because they are hammering that into our thinking. The church is not two-befores and and beams and brick and mortar and carpet and, 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 and chairs. The church is the people. I am looking at her. She is the bride of Christ. You are the church of the living God. And I love it. Let me just take it a little bit further. Our, our wonderful, I love it that we're in Memphis because this is the international headquarters for the churches of God in Christ international. And every November when they have their holy convocation, you hear it on the news and they'll say, well, the saints are coming to town. Why do you think they do that? Because that's a principle that God has given to that to emphasize to the body of Christ. Would to God the rest of the body would grab hold of how the church of God in Christ has grabbed this. You, not when you die a hundred years from now, but you right now are a saint of the most high God. From the same Greek word as holy. Holiness. Holiness unto the Lord. It's not about a clothing style or how big your hair is or whether or not you have any facial hair on the platform or a lot of this stuff that some holiness folks argue about. It is about whether or not you have been born by the Spirit and saved by the blood of the Lamb. You are a saint, right? There's only two things you can be. you either a saint or you ain't. Come on now. Saint or sinner. Okay? It's a whole new identity. The communion of saints is... 
a fellowship based on a new identity. Listen to Romans 1.7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Ephesians 1.15 and 18. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about us. Ephesians 4.12, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Come on, you don't hear this kind of stuff. Every Sunday, you ain't no good, you better turn, you're going to burn, you're splitting hell wide open. And how many you know when you're preaching to a room full of people that already know Jesus? Are you hearing me? Help us, Jesus. Ephesians 5.3. Now, Paul spends every letter, the first half of it, every time, declaring the amazing things that Christ has already accomplished, that we are in Christ, holy and blameless before him. He spends the latter half every time basically saying, now because you are something you didn't used to be, you are now a new creation. Because you have a whole new identity, you can't keep doing the stuff you used to do because now this stuff is not in your new nature. Listen to this. But sexual immorality and all pure impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Everybody say saints. Now, this is mentioned oodles of times in the New Testament. And how many of you know he's not talking about a football team in New Orleans? He's talking about you. The saints of the Most High God. Number three. The forgiveness of sins means I have true freedom in Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, called out of darkness, called into marvelous light. The church is his instrument to advance his purpose, the kingdom. I believe in the communion of saints. It is a new identity, a fellowship around that. Number three, the forgiveness of sins means I have true freedom in Christ. Christ. Listen to the, to the word of the Lord. Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance, here it is again, of the saints in light. He has delivered us. What tense is that? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now I'm not in one way saying that we don't miss it. But when we do, it's because we, like Peter on the water, we get our eyes off of Jesus and we forget for a moment who we are. We lose our way when we get disconnected from our why. If the enemy can distract me from my why, why I am here, because of who he is and now who I am because he's made me to be that. If I can glaze over If I can lose sight of who God has called me to be, my who and my why, then I'm always going to lose my way. And that's where I sin. It's failing to stay connected in my thinking, being renewed in my mind to who I am now. And I start going back out of my memory and living out of my past. I enter a season of difficulty, of tribulation of circumstances that are bigger than I am, and I start relying on things that used to medicate me from my past. Whether it's a substance, whether it's a relationship that's improper, 
Am I saying that everybody in this room calling you a saint that you're perfect? Oh, no, 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 no. God's still working on us. But I'm trying to tell you, you have to live out of this new identity or you never will overcome the past. If all you are is the same dude with a second chance, then you will need a gazillion more chances. But if you start realizing that you're not the same guy with just another wipe the slate clean episode, but it basically is God has put a whole new different kind of nature on the inside of you that's now motivating you to live a different way, that's now choosing, making you do choices that are different, you might, come on, give him praise if you're going to praise God. I might try, I might turn back what I have been called out of, and I may go take a taste of it, but it, what used to be sweet in my lips now will be bitter in my belly because in addition to whatever I put in there, the Holy Ghost is down on the inside of me now, and he will get grieved at that mess, and he won't let it stay in there. Come on, somebody. The forgiveness of sins means I have true, real freedom in Christ. And if I keep walking with him, the Bible says in John 8, 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The King James says, will make you free. It takes a man who is truly free to set others free. Come on, somebody. God is about the business of helping us to really, truly know what real, honest to goodness forgiveness is. And if we've been forgiven much, how much more are we willing to forgive others? It's only when we realize the greatness of our own sin that we're able to look beyond the offenses of others toward us. Come on, somebody. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Come on. Number four, the resurrection of the body means how I live now is important. Say that with me. How I live now is important. One more time. Say it like you mean it. How I live now is important. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The favorite scene in one of my favorite movies, Gladiator, Russell Crowe. And he says, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. Choices that I make, the most critical decision you will ever make in your life, first of all, the, the number one decision is to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Jesus, I put my trust in you. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. Save me. The second most important decision that you're going to make in your life is who you're going to marry. Because that's, I mean, it's either going to be heaven or hell on earth. Some of you are proving the gates of hell kind of prevail against it. <laughs> My mama used to say, son, you make your bed hard and you're going to have to sleep in it. And I always went, what does that mean? <laughs> I've been married 25 years and I'm thinking I maybe might understand it a little bit. And I'm telling my son that the other day, and he says, what does that mean? I said, I don't know, but it'll hit you one of these days. <laughs> most important, most critical decision is making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And then everything else that you do falls out of that. It is a product of that. If Jesus is Lord, if he is the king over your life, if his kingdom has come to your life, his government is on you. 
He doesn't mean you're perfect, but he's changing you and you're growing. And, and guess what? You're stepping out in faith and you're seeing God answer prayers and, and, and you're, you're trusting him and the word is coming alive in your heart and you're hungering after some things that you used to never have a taste for and the other stuff that you couldn't do without, you found out that it's just sort of lost its luster, sort of lost its appeal, then guess what? It's because the kingdom of God is growing. It's advancing. He's transforming you. He's changing you. He's conforming you to the image of his son. He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Setting you free. He's making you realize that how I live right now in this life, there are consequences to it. I'm not making choices hoping that when I get to heaven that I'll stand before the judgment seat and God will say, okay, you acted good enough, you bought enough Girl Scout cookies and helped enough grannies across the street that I'm going to let you into heaven. None of us are good enough. We can't earn it, we can't deserve it. Heaven is a free gift. The wages of sin is death. You earn that stuff. The devil's a paymaster. He does not miss a payday. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I live my life out of that, realizing that I have that right now. That's mine. That's mine. If I die, if somebody puts a bullet in my head before I say the amen to this message, I will be in his presence and I will live eternally. If I walk out of this building and get into my Jeep and I have a car accident and I die, I will be in his presence. I will live forever. The choices that I have made in this body, I will stand before God and he will give me rewards or the lack thereof based on how I have lived. The Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. 1 Corinthians 3, listen. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, capital D, which is the day of the Lord, the day he returns, the day Jesus comes back and we sit before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of God. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. When we stand before him, if you're a believer and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and Lord, it's not the question that hangs in the balance as to whether or not you're going to heaven or not. That's already been answered because Jesus paid the price for you at Calvary and you put your trust in him. But what is in the balance is how you've chosen to live the rest of your life after you made that choice. Are there going to be rewards that he's going to say, here's the crown of righteousness laid up for you? Are there going to be rewards that he hands to me and to you because we've made choices to build into our families and to leave a legacy behind us and to demonstrate to those behind us exactly what it means to be a man or a woman of God, a man or a woman of integrity and character and faith. When the going gets tough, the tough hang around. Come on, somebody. It's appointed to man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Number five, and I'm finished. The life everlasting means I live with an eternal purpose. I'm living right now with an eternal purpose. Eternal life doesn't begin when I die. 
I have it right now. I have eternal. Eternal life is not a long time. Eternal life is quality of life. I have the Zoe life of God in me right now. And let me just say this to you. If you've had a background that's told you that you can lose it, then you never got eternal life in the first place. All you got was temporary life. I'm sorry I don't want to offend you. I just want to tell you right now, I, I was born, I am Grady Smith's son. I don't care what I ever do, I will always be Grady Smith's son. I didn't choose to be born into this family. I remember as a smart aleck, just big old rebellious mouth at 15, looking at my dad and saying, I didn't choose to be born in this family. Dad was not very educated, but I'm going to tell you once in a while, he had some wit that could cut my head off. And he looked at me and he said, no, and if you had, I'd have told you no. It has to be born in this family. No more in any real sense than I made a choice that I would have blue eyes and my mother would be Mary and my dad would be Grady and I would have brown hair and I would be six feet tall. These choices were made for me. And I'm telling you this morning, God is moving on some hearts right now and he's already touched and regenerated some lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. He came into his own, John 1.11, his own received him not. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. To those who were born not of man, nor of the will, nor of the flesh, but who were born of God. You right now can make a choice because the Spirit of God is in this room and he's moving in your heart. And you have a choice right now to make, to embrace him as the Lord of your life to become a part of the church. This is not about formal membership and victory. I'm talking about being a part of the called out people of God. You become part of the family. We throw open our arms like Jesus did on the cross and we say, come on, we love you. Just bring all your stuff, all your junk. Come on, we ain't concerned about it. This is a hospital. Come on, we, 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 we can put on some rubber gloves if we need to. We can rub a little antiseptic on it and spray a little Lysol. We can deal with whatever you got. Bring it on. The grace of God's big enough. It can handle it. Come on, we ain't afraid of you. Come on, we love you. Matter, matter of fact, just do us all a favor right now and just go ahead and just dump it out. Let us get to know what it is so we don't have to sit around in three years going, uh, uh, do you have any lust? Go fish. Uh, uh, do you have any drug problems? Go fish. Uh, uh, you know, too many times if folks would just lay it out and just get transparent from the beginning. Oh my goodness, the freedom they could walk in. Make your crazy growing old pastor sit around and play go fish with you. Give me a break. Go fish. I am preaching. Ephesians 3.21. I'm having a good time, whether you are or not. Here we go. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The eternal purpose of God is wrapped up in a people, and I'm looking at that people this morning. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that this thing called the church is what Jesus gave his life for. And he's chosen you to be part of his bride. Come on. Can, 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 can Jesus pick his own bride or what? Can he pick his own wife? Yes, he's, he's calling you. He's calling your name. You're not hearing it out loud, but you're, you're sensing an unction right now in the spirit. Oh, God. You're sensing it. You're feeling it. You're, this presence of God. You've heard the gospel. This thing's been soaked 
in God's love for you, his purpose for your life. There's a destiny on you. You matter. You count. God didn't make any junk. He didn't make any mistakes. He didn't look over your crib and go, oops. You have a purpose. You have a reason to live. And he's drawing you. He's calling you to himself as his child. And he's asking you to respond and call him father and say, I believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever says, I believe, should not perish but have everlasting life. Daniel 12, 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Your life is in the balance right now. What will you do with this Jesus? God up there became the God down here. He's become the God in here. And as he sends us out today, he's God everywhere through his people. Bow your heads with me, please, as the lights come down. I just want to ask you as you're seated in this room with me this morning, the presence of God is here, the Spirit of the Lord has moved in our midst. The gospel of God has been proclaimed. You've been stirred to realize that there's something higher than the current struggle that you face. You've been stirred to realize that maybe in spite of the the difficulty you had as a child and the parents that raised you, or maybe they weren't there, or maybe the struggle in the marriage that you're in right now, or the habit that you can't break, No matter what your circumstances are, there's a God who is speaking to you this morning who is reaching out through the simple words of my own voice. And he's saying to you, you matter to me. You matter to the Lord. Your life counts. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Everybody comes through this door. No one is born with the right pedigree, without sin. We all seem to learn how to do it on our own. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and missed the mark. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed, would you this morning say, Pastor, I sense the Spirit of God drawing me and moving in my heart. And I want to make this choice right now. I want to confess before the Lord that Jesus is my Savior. I put my trust in Him. I believe. And with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, if you would like to be included in this prayer, they want to pray for you right now and say those words, I believe. Would you just slip your hand up? Nobody looking around. Anybody in the room? I see one there and another one. Yes. One over here in this section. There's one over here in the far side. Yes. Wonderful. Anybody else? We're moving quickly. Now, to the saints in the room. You heard something today that you've never heard before. You've read it and wondered who that the, the writer's talking to in the New Testament. What are these saints? Is that something I can ever possibly even think that God might look at me and call me a saint? That's something that you've never heard before and it rang in your spirit because you know that you're a new creation in Christ. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The message says it this way. Those who are united to the Messiah get a fresh start. And I would just ask you this morning, having never heard some of that before, and you're just reaching, going, God, I need to have my mind renewed in a new identity, in this group of saints now that I'm a part of. This is an amazing spiritual family. And God, I want more of your word. I want the Holy Spirit to just fill me up. If there's anybody in the room who's heard the word today and you've felt some ignition, an igniting in your heart, and you want more of God, would you just slip your hand up right now? I want to include you in this prayer as well. Several people around the room. That's wonderful. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for the Spirit of the Lord upon this room, upon this place, upon every person hearing this, those in the room right now and those around the world that will hear it over the Internet. God, I pray that the reaching hand of God that's touching their lives right now, Lord, that they would in their heart believe and that they would say with their mouth, Jesus is Lord of my life. I confess my sins. I put my trust in you. Save me. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, equip us, grow us to be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, amen. Put your hands together and let's give him praise this morning. Come on.